If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. I hope you're having an awesome week. This episode is with Caleb Ufton. He is a data-driven digital marketer. Wait, data-driven digital marketer. <laughs> it's like a dung twister. Uh, and I kind of chose to put this episode in because we've just been talking so much about conversion rate optimization and Caleb kind of, I mean, this is his thing. This is his, he is an amazing data analyst. He's amazing with numbers and drawing insights out of data right? Because we got data, but we don't have insight from data. And actually, just quick shout out to my best friend, Catherine Zaharias, who wrote a fantastic article in Ad News about exactly that, about the fact that data and insight is different. Uh, so I might put a little link uh, here as well, because I think it's all related to what we're talking about and what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And one of the things that I think was really interesting interesting about what Caleb said was that, you know, it's important to take a holistic pro- approach here because some of the times when we're optimi- optimizing conversion rates, we're not actually adding to our, our bottom dollar. So really fun conversation, so much wisdom here. Uh, highly recommend listening all the way through. And if you like this episode, reach out to Caleb, let him know as well. You can find him on LinkedIn. You can find him on Facebook. I'll put the link uh, to his profile, obviously, in the show notes. Uh, You can also head over and check out Echo Marketing, which is Caleb's company, uh, and find out more about them as well. So I'll put the link to Echo Marketing in the show notes too. Um, Yeah, I think that's kind of it for me. Oh, yeah, you know, all the normal stuff. So support the show if you can. ratings if you're on Apple Podcasts, but also, you know, if you're listening on the other podcasts, usually there's other podcasting platforms. Usually there's a way to like give some kudos. So kudos is awesome because it tells the platform that this is good content and then more people can listen to it. So don't keep it to yourself. Share it with others. Let other people know about it. Be a friend. Be a carer. Businesses are going through a hard time this year. Let's help them out. Uh, If you want to reach out to me, you can head over to Twitter at LaurenCress89. And if you want to go the extra mile to support the show, and if you, I mean, really, if you're a regular listener, if this is like you listen to a lot of these shows, you're getting a lot of value out of it, it means that, you know what, you don't have to pay for a coach. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars to see a coach to get your marketing and your business strategy right because you listen to this. Head over to Kofi, ko-fi.com. Three bucks, guys. Three bucks for a cup of coffee and it's lights up my day whenever I get (laughs) a coffee from someone really really appreciate it so um please consider doing that I always say that in every episode I know some of you heard it before and if you're a regular listener please do consider doing that um just really makes a difference and and one thing for me is it's that value exchange you know I, I go to a lot of effort to put these shows together 12 episodes a month um so anything you can do there if you can't afford it if you're going through a rough time totally cool. Don't feel bad about not buying me a cup of coffee. The idea is that there's people who can afford it, who can support the show and there's people who can't. And 
either way, everyone gets the content, which I think is kind of cool. All right. Uh, there might be a little ad break here and then we'll get on to the main part of the show today. I hope you enjoy it. Bring the Bose experience to your small meeting spaces with Bose Video Bar VBS. VBS is an all-in-one USB conferencing device. It's the simple way to bring premium audio and video to your meetings. Learn more at pro.bose.com radio. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, Make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. G'day, everyone. Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Joining me is my friend Caleb Ufton from up in Queensland. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Lauren. You're looking very professional. You said you got a clean haircut today. Like for this, was yeah. it for me? Well, so, sort of. I, I got my hair dyed. Um, it's uh, you know not the natural color um, <laughs> since I was like three years old. Anyway, um, but no, I just this is really weird. Like the the topic that you know we're going to talk about being conversion rates. I, I noticed when I was in Colorado how people treated me different because I was blonde because I had I did my hair blonde before I went over there. Ah. And then coming back and being in Brisbane for the last like year or so, however long I was down in Brizzy, going out to networking events and seeing how people would treat me different with the clothes I was wearing and like having my hair blonde and stuff versus uh, brown as the natural color. It was really, really interesting seeing the conversion rate stuff, like the psychological components mm. playing out in interpersonal relationships. In real so life. I, yeah, yeah. It's not just <laughs> online. It's like real life. So like I got it done i think last friday and i've just like every day i've been like i love my hair and like people comment and it's like i get a different reaction i'm the same person (laughs) but the environment is now different so like i hate that it's a thing but it's a thing you know well and i wonder also i mean we'll i I should quickly introduce the topic before i go (laughs) off on some tangent but we're talking about conversion rate optimat the conversion rate optimization today. Now you have a lot of experience in that. Uh, can you talk us through a little bit of, you know, your experience in digital marketing? You've been in the tech space for a long time. Sort of give us some, um, give us some, some of your backstory. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll keep it brief. I, I started coding when I was ten. I built a computer, and then I started coding, and then I started doing website stuff for the school. I was just very interested in the whole online space. And then um, when I got into marketing, which was, I keep saying seven years, but I've been saying that for like three years. So it's probably about 10 years ago now. Um, <laughs> that was very much on the back of, of um, hypnosis and NLP and looking into like how the brain works. Cause I've always been interested in math and psychology, which is an interesting pair, but it's, it kind of makes a lot of sense in a way, especially in the business world. Um, and so like getting into marketing and figuring out like, oh, okay, like here's all these metrics, all these stats that you can measure and you can see as a group, this is what the people who are uh, hitting my website or like opening my emails, this is what they're doing in response to that content. And then with more and more tech like VWO and Hotjar and Lucky Orange, like all these site recording things, we can now actually see 
like uses behavior on screen and stuff. And so you can make more informed decisions. And it's just really, really interesting because all of that plays into how can you scale a company from say $30,000 to a million dollars in, in three months, where well, you can do that by optimizing conversions and increasing your, your spend in the places that matter. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I really enjoy it and I've been doing it for a while now. I think, like you say, like there's so much that comes into play. One of the points I always make uh, when I'm, you know, talking to people about like business science and why science is so important in what we do in marketing, right? I'm like, well, because we're dealing with people. Like we need to understand like human behavior and how people think, you know, like you started off the show talking about the the blonde hair, brown hair thing that you're kind of going through there. Like um, so it, it from my understanding, CRO, it's really an art and a science, right? Like it's experimentation and it's interpretation as well. Can you sort of talk through a little bit of, for people who are like brand new to like, what are we talking about here? Like I just thought it was about getting people to my site and then if people are interested in what I do in my business, they'll pick up the phone and call me. What, yeah. what are the things that happen in between those two steps, I guess? There's a lot. Depends on <laughs> really? Um <laughs> Well, it's like the whole when you when you're looking to find a, a partner, um, a life partner, for instance, um, you don't walk up to the first person that takes your fancy on the street and get down on one knee. Doesn't really work that way. You might you might get a laugh, you might get a slap as well. Like who knows, right? Um, but online, we've got all these uh, steps that build trust, that build a relationship. And it's, it's kind of, there's actually a really interesting um, set of articles or like a book, uh, The 12 Steps of Intimacy. You can take this and apply it to marketing and, and business in general. And it's really interesting because they're more or less directly applicable depending on how you sort of look at the situation. But um, you're, we are trying to optimize, like obviously it's in the name, conversion or optimization. Um, but you got to think when someone first sees your ad, you're optimizing for uh, stopping them scrolling past, right? Mm. Um, when, when they're watching a video, you're optimizing for engagement. When they're filling out a form, you're balancing between optimizing for the number of people who fill out the form and the quality of the people that fill out that form. Because you can have a giveaway that, with an amazing title, say like, um, I know a lot of your audiences is, is uh, B2B or like service, they're not directly e-com. So like how to land um, your state's biggest competitor in, in your industry or something like that as your own client, right? Like that some crazily appealing title and only have the email, you're going to get a heap of opt-ins, but most of them aren't going to be qualified. If yeah. you add a few more fields, you're going to get more qualified people, but you're going to get less opt-ins. So you're trying to optimize for different things along the way. And that really comes down to what your business goals are at each interaction. And, and going back to that relationship thing, you're, when you're looking for someone to date, your criteria might be a lot different than when you're looking for a life partner. And, and again, like when you're 20, your criteria is a lot different than when you're 30. So it really, it, it is an art in a sense of like figuring out where you're at, what you're trying to achieve and that sort of thing. But that's where you like the branding and all that stuff can be really, really helpful. Cause you do um, 
consolidate that into a very methodical and like here's what we're trying to do sort of approach and then the science is just like reading the data it's you know test a hypothesis read the data repeat <laughs> i just want to give a quick shout out to someone said hi from cali and then said fornia but it says linkedin user so i'm sorry i can't say who who oh, the person no. is but hello thank you for saying hello and if anyone's watching i want to say hello or ask a question about cro you know you can do it as we're kind of chatting but um i have lots more questions for you in the meantime caleb so uh <laughs> i'm sure you do it's been a while since we last chatted <laughs> It was quite funny because yesterday I was uh, interviewing Ronan Walsh and we were talking about, he runs a company called Digital Trawler over in uh, Ireland and we were talking about, you know, sort of SEO and like what you need to do. And he's like, oh, I'm going to give that typical answer of it depends. And it kind of sounds like the same thing with CRO as well. It's like, what are you trying to achieve, right? Yes and no. Um, there are some overarching things. Like if you're in the service industry, then you're looking at leads and so you're, your impressions to lead ratio is going to be one of your main factors that you're going to want to look at. Um, and that, that doesn't matter how many steps you've got uh, or, or what your marketing looks like. Cause ultimately you're, you're talking about eyeballs, how many eyeballs am I getting and how many is that, it, how many leads is that resulting in? If you're in e-commerce, it's your um, cost per view uh, on page or, or your, um, not your cost per view, sorry, your revenue per view. Uh, on page or if you want to go that far and do the impressions it's revenue per impressions those are the, like the two main metrics so like yes it depends what industry you're in like are you going for leads or e-com but as an overarching thing I, I think it's really really important that people don't just focus on conversion rate even though it's called conversion rate optimization if you only can focus on that like there's so many hacks so many easy ways to boost your your conversion rate but that doesn't actually mean you're making more money or getting more qualified sales. Like you need to take a more holistic approach to it. Well, let's dig into some of the mistakes and then we can talk about some of the solutions to those mistakes. So what are, in, in your line of work, what are some of the common mistakes you've seen? Oh, sorry, Don Hesh just said, hello, Don. Um, impression to lead, isn't that called conversion rate? Do you want to just um, expand on that a little bit more first, Caleb, then I'll ask you my next question. Yeah, so... I mean, strictly speaking, it is a conversion rate, yes. But if we're talking impressions as in like Facebook ads or impressions on a, um, a web page, like those are two different things. So if you're looking at page views to uh, leads, so page views to opt-ins, then you might see a 12% rate conversion rate, which is, which is quite good. If you're running paid traffic to that site and you're looking at your impressions and you see like you've got 100,000 impressions and you've got 12 opt-ins, that's not such a great conversion rate. Mm. Um, and so it just like, yes, it's a conversion rate. Like any, any two metrics, any two sequen sequential metrics compared with each other is going to be a conversion rate. I'm not saying they're not, I'm just saying look at the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, got you, got you. Thanks for your question, John. And someone else, sorry, again, I'm not sure who, who it is. Sometimes it says, I don't know why StreamYard does this, but some I think it depends on privacy settings for people on LinkedIn. But um, someone has said Caleb sent uh, a LinkedIn invite to you. So 
I think oh. I want to get in touch. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, okay. Now let me try to remember what my next question was going to, oh, mistakes. Okay. So what's some of the common mistakes you're seeing, you know, when you said like, sort of like, um, not by not looking at a bigger picture, people can kind of miss out on some of the simple things that are happening. So what are some of the common mistakes that, that you're seeing um, your clients make? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Some some people think it's, I think a lot of them at the moment, because this is kind of the second wave of CRO in the industry. There was a, a bit of a bump five-ish years ago, and it's, it sort of started, like we were talking about it last year. And, um, you know, it's starting to really come up now, like people are running courses and that sort of thing. And it's like becoming a thing again, which is great. Um, but a lot of the issues that I've seen come from it's how do I articulate this um not understanding psychology is probably one of the biggest causes and that's like a big thing for me to say because I don't have a psychology degree I don't have any background aside from it's a passion I've done some training and hypnosis in the NLP like yes sure I'm certified in that sense but that's not the same as like um, group think and game theory and, um, you know, massive amounts of statistical modeling that, um, you know, people go through when they, when they look at, um, psych degrees and stuff. But when, when you're running a business, you have a reasonably intimate understanding of your customers. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why you start the business and, and like all of that, like your promises and all that sort of thing. But when you scale up, you start reaching people that aren't your core market and you like, it's very, if you if you're solving a problem that helps a thousand people in your local suburb, fantastic, probably a good little niche. When you scale that up to the city, that might be 30,000 people who have that problem. 80% of them don't know that they have that problem, you know, as a, I'm just pulling that out. But like when you look at the uh, adoption bell curves and stuff, like, the majority of people don't yet know that they have that problem. So you've got to educate them. There's all these extra steps that you're not used to doing. And so that's where the um, mistakes I see commonly come in is people are treating everyone like they're the same. They're treat, treating everyone like they've got the same buyer's journey. And it's just like, well, you have this problem. So here's the solution. And it's like, well, no, because you have to get people to realize they have the problem, which, which you may not have had to have done before, depending on what stage your business is in. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Got you. So it's kind of like, um, a different way of looking at the user, user journey. Like the user mindset isn't like one mindset and that's it. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. I mean, when you look at personas, like typically, you know, even for a given product, you might have three or four different personas and they're at different stages. Um, it's making assumptions around the fact that they're all going to behave the same, that that's kind of where I see the issues. Like one, one client, were, I mean, they were right about who the majority of their market was. Um, they were in a certain demographic of, I think it was 55 year old plus females uh, in a um, semi-retired household, 120K plus income, you know, sort of looking at transitioning to super. Um, and like, great, fantastic. Um, but then turns out they're not getting a lot of conversions and you, you dig in and you look at the data and it turns out that yes, that's the majority, but it's the majority at 30%. Mm. So by, by only like treating that one audience as though it's, it's gospel, you're effectively alienating the other 70% of people who are, you know, seeing your content. And so like 
again, like it just comes back to that psychology of understanding who is actually looking at the content. Are they the right people? Are you marketing to the right people? Like it's a very simple mistake to make. And it's a very easy one to make. And it kind of almost happens without you realizing as you grow your business. It, it makes me kind of think of actually, I was doing a podcast about this earlier this week on Byron Sharp and his seven rules for brand growth. And one thing he talks about is like, don't give people reasons not to buy. And that's what I've been seeing, right? <laughs> like, but, but brands do this. <laughs> Don't give people reasons not to buy. Don't give your customers reasons not to buy. But this is a problem actually seeing arise a lot with people doing niching, niching down. It's like they're niching in a way that doesn't make sense. Like if I went, I'm bringing it back to the blonde hair. Like if I'm like, I'm going to sell this chocolate bar to people with blonde hair. And that's my, that's my niche. It doesn't make sense. And we kind of all laugh at that and go, well, obviously that doesn't make sense. But what I'm seeing is sort of like the behaviors that we're, assuming other people that are in our um, target audience are like not necessarily the indicate. Do, do you know what I mean? I, yeah, maybe you absolutely. Well, I mean, to, I guess, to paraphrase an attempt to understand um, if you're, if you're saying like 33 um, year old women are the main decision makers in this household and that's a product for men, right? So married men, but it's a product for men, but, women will buy this product for their, their husbands or whatever, like for their partners. Do you have everything tailored to the guy because he's the one that's going to use the product? Or do you have everything tailored to the women because they're the ones that are going to buy the product? Like he, mm. if your buyer profile is like 60, 70% women, then that makes sense, but it's a product for men. So like, as, as, you, as that becomes developed, your audience shifts, right? And so you're making assumptions based on like, well, when I, when I started out, I was helping guys with this because I had a, a big group of friends of guys or whatever, or like, let's say it's um, metal art, like guys like, you know, home decor or something like that. So majority of people who buy something sports related are probably going to be men. It's a horrible generalization, but you know. As that expands and it becomes more homely or you're entering a market where women are the majority of the, uh, make the majority of the purchasing decisions, if your coffee and, and everything is still geared to where, towards men, you're wasting money. You're, you're lighting it on fire because you're not hitting the people with the message they need. So let's go, let's talk about from a digital marketing perspective and let's, let's stick with like in the businesses services industry. So this could be for like people who are coaching or consulting or, uh, you know, provide like financial advice, provide like that, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, for people in those industries, for them, when we're talking about conversion rate, a lot of the time they're going to be saying things like one, well, actually a lot of my website traffic, a lot of the way people find out about me, that's through word of mouth. It's through things like LinkedIn and my networking, right? So, so they're not probably going to be worrying so much about conversion rate at the, the ad level necessarily. But when people get to what I'm seeing neglected a lot is the website side, right? So it's kind of like either the website doesn't exist or if the website exists, it's kind of not optimized for that user can you talk through a little bit of like from that perspective for these types of businesses i know it's hard to generalize but what are some of those things that you just like you know like 
the contact us stuff doesn't like what sort of things are going wrong at the digital level for those kind of businesses? Yeah, I think this is interesting because I, I do audits, as you know, and a lot of the audits I've been getting recently have been um, service interests. Like, perfect. Uh, and interestingly, a lot of them, I had one came through um, last week. It was for a fashion design consulting brand. So they help. Um, so it's, it's you're Lauren, Chris, business scientist. Let's say you want to do an apparel line because mm-hmm. why not, right? Um, so you would go to these guys and you would say, hey, I want like a branded line of smart casual business wear um, in, in the like business science kind of niche that I've built, right? Um, and they would help with the design process. So like very hands-on, very um, high-level sort of like affluent to affluent you know, very premium service. And so like on, on the site, everything's like very informational. It's very like, we do this and we do that. And, and here's what we do and our team and, um, you know, get a quote, get a quote, get a quote. It's all focused towards the quote, which is fine. Nothing wrong with asking for a quote. You click get a quote and it takes you to contact page. Contact page is just a giant form for a quote and a map to one side. So I'm like, okay, First of all, the copy is all about you. It's not about me. So like, it's great that you've got experience. I need to know that. That's really important. How does that translate to me as a person looking for your services? Like what does, what's the benefit to me of your experience, right? Like the benefit to me of going and getting a personal trainer is I can fit it in after hours. I don't have to worry about a gym or like getting to the gym on time. Um, I have someone personal who's going to kick my butt to get up at five in the morning or whatever it is, right? Like there are benefits to that service for me. Their experience is relevant, but their experience with running group boot camps at five in the morning is way less relevant to me than them being able to show up at five in the morning for me mm. and call me on my phone to like, pull out of bed or, or whatever it is, right? Like however they want to phrase that. So it's like one is the copy. It definitely tends to be, again, generalization, tends to be very focused on what the company is good at, but in a look at me, I'm awesome kind of way as opposed to a here's what I can do for you kind of way. Like so it's more company-centric rather than customer-centric. And then the other thing is contact forms and, and quotes and that sort of thing they assume, and again, this is a horrible generalization, but a lot of time they assume implicit value, uh, which it's not to say it's not there, but people are people. People like to get something. Um, a quote might be enough for someone who is at a certain stage in, in the buyer's journey and is ready for that. But getting a case study might be more of a thing depending on where they're at in that journey or like uh, examples of designs in different industries or niches going back to that example might be a really good lead lead magnet right or or a tripwire or insert whatever the hell you want to call <laughs> this opt-in thing here you know there's probably way more the thing where you give now. your email address and then you we do an exchange then, yeah yeah <laughs> however you want to bribe your customers figure out a way your potential customers sorry they're not your customers yet 
Um, however, you want to bribe someone who's seeing your site to give them uh, to give you their information needs to be focused on on their benefits, like what you're going to do for them, and know that they will not look at it. 80, 90% of the time. I think there was a, a I think digital marketer put something out two or three years ago. 80, 86% of the emails they sent out with reports in them. So you opt in, they send out the report, didn't get opened. Yeah. And then, oh no, no, they got opened, but they didn't get downloaded. So the links in them didn't get clicked. And then they followed up with people who did click the links and only about 2% read them. And they, they run a, a test where they put a call to action at the end of, of like a 14 page thing. And it was like 1% of the 2% yeah. <laughs> did that call to action, but they converted, they got customers well above that rate. So the, the transaction of here's my email and my mobile number and now you give me some value. That is a transaction in and of itself and the quality of what you give them in return is what builds and the speed is what builds the relationship. Whether or not they use the information is completely irrelevant. Um, Emily, my, my partner, has gone and tested in Mercedes twice since we've been on the Sunshine Coast. She's trying to convince me to go and, and drive the C300, I think next, not this weekend, but next weekend. I know we're not going to walk out of the showroom with the Mercedes, but the thing is, every single time we go in, they're building trust. They're mm. making her one step closer to going, this is the car I want. Figure out how to make it happen, Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one. I want, to, um, I want to nerd out with you for a second. We've got to finish up relatively soon, but I think that point that you raised about this, you know, the, the transaction one is an interesting one because there that it's kind of like an old school sales technique, right? Of like the foot in the door thing, right? You know, like what's the salami it technique? Like, yeah, yeah, the low balling. There's, there's a few like? different ones. Uh, I know the salami technique. We just slice it off a little bit at a time. Um, but yeah, there's. What, how do you want to know that? <laughs> well, like, isn't there? I don't know if you know the stat, but it's something like once someone has made some sort of exchange of value with you, the chances of them purchasing from you go like way up. So, you know, like, oh, it's saying, astronomical. Yeah. like, do you know what the, the stats are by any chance? I don't know. Off the top of my head. I don't, not, not off the top of my head, but they talk about it in um, thin slicing, which is a, a really good book. Uh, it's a very thin book, easy to read. Um, uh, I think in blink as well, which is another good book um, about, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Um, they talk about first impressions and that sort of thing. And it, it's very similar as um, the, well, actually, rather than go, go fine grain, here's, here's an interesting thing. So we currently are in a, uh, I believe we're in a we cycle. So it's uh, we versus me type mm-hmm. thing. So like at the moment, it's all about us, our tribe. Like it's just kind of how things, and you see it, you see it with Corona, you see it in marketing, you see it in these pushes towards relationship-based marketing, which it's always been a thing. It's never not been a thing. That's why salespeople have jobs. That's why if you're in a corporate environment and your top salesperson is is wanting to leave, you buy them a boat or whatever the hell you have to do. (laughs) 
because as soon as those contracts come up for renewal, those clients are going with the salesperson. They're not, they're not staying at your company because the, the rep has the relationship. Mm. So like that's never not been a thing. It's just we're more in that mindset at the moment. And so yeah, like every time you give value, um, even if it's through like here's a blog article that I read that I thought you might be interested in, which could completely be an automated thing. It still is a transaction that endears some sort of value to to someone and it, it just moves that needle just a little bit more towards I like you, I trust you, I might buy from you. I think like a lot of what we're talking about here as well is like, and maybe we'll finish up on this point, but like, and I've had a few discussions with people, particularly I think because of this we cycle that you just mentioned, right? Because we're in this time where like content marketing's resurging, CRO's resurging, these these types of mar- network marketing, these these ways of marketing that work well in terms of community building and feeling like you belong mm. to something that's working really well at the moment. So I've had quite a few conversations with people where they're saying like, you've got to play the long game. Like you, you should always be playing a long game, right? But like when we talk about long game, short game, because at the beginning you kind of said like you can do stuff pretty quick. Like you can, you can scale up quickly and, and get things done in three months. What's your thoughts on like, long game, short game for when we're talking about CRO, what does people oh, for sure. to be, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go, look, go, I go, mean. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you're really to go. <laughs> yeah. Short term game, games in CRO are things like if, you, if you're like getting to industry benchmark, right? So like industry benchmarks are horrible things to compare yourself against because mm. you're either above or below and it's based on people who opt into that industry. So you know, whoever you believe in only knows how relevant that is to your specific store with your specific product with your specific audience. However, it's, it's an industry benchmark. So it's something, um, oftentimes, at least when, when people are looking at, uh, moving towards paid marketing or they've been doing paid marketing for a while and they, they're seeing their conversion rates drop. This is because they're going from organic traffic to, to uh, paid traffic. And so they're going, well, I had a conversion rate of three and a half percent and now it's one and a half percent. What's going on? Um, You can very quickly figure out if you just look at analytics, like from the sources that your organic still going to have a three and a half percent conversion rate. Your cold traffic is going to have like a point eight percent or a point seven percent because you're not treating them the same as the experience the organic's having. And so you can shape that user journey independent of the organic one. And that's, that's a really easy way to um, lift your uh, conversion rate. Mobile is another one. Develop mobile first rather than responsive. Uh, so yeah, responsive yeah. was a thing from like the early 2000s. It, like you got to do mobile first now. Um, 86%, I think it is, of web traffic is mobile. Um, if your site, I know people who run e-com sites that design everything for mobile and say, screw desktop. And it's crazy because desktop users typically purchase more. They have a higher cart value. But when 86% of your traffic is mobile, it doesn't really matter at that point. Because mm. you're just share volume is, is just higher. And so you can deal with it later. Um, even for, I put a request in for um, a PT, like I just mentioned before, on a site. The site was painful to use on mobile. It was really, really frustrating. Uh, it was just a horrible experience. Like I would not recommend that site at all. Um, they have a good service, and on desktop, it's nice. 
but on mobile, it was just frustrating. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some really easy things you can do short term, but long term, the gains from um, CRO come from the fact that you, to do it well long term, you need to take a holistic approach to the business and your marketing and your, your site and every single touch point. And what that means is when you get, say, a, say you have 100% lift, you go from 1% to 2%. You can more or less keep that. Like there are factors that can, can like impact you, changes in algorithms and all that sort of thing, or like economic climate, obviously. Um, but you can more or less keep the gains and keep growing them through continual reinvestment. So whatever you're doing CRO-wise, it's not linear growth because uh, a double in your conversion rate means you double the revenue that's coming from that channel. So if you then increase that by 50% again, so go from um, 2% to 3%, you're not getting 150% of what you were previously getting. You're getting 100% of what you were previously getting and then another 50% on top of that. Like it's, it's the whole uh, compounding thing. Like, so the returns you get long-term from CRO have a compounding effect. And I think that's, that's really, really important for people to think about because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, test buttons or, or split test email headings or whatever. And that's, that's doing CRO and it is, but if you, that's like short-term stuff. You want to you wanna think long-term, like how do we get the conversion rate up to 7%? Because a 7% conversion rate, that's tasty. Don't care what yeah. industry you're in. That's really, really tasty. <laughs> it's kind of funny, the maths, isn't it? It's like a lot of people do this wrong when it comes to customer retention. So there was like a study that was done in like, I think it was like the 80s or the 90s. Uh, maybe early 90s and it was saying like you know if you keep customer attention if you if you drop customer attention uh sorry if you drop customer loss from 10 percent to five percent you know you will have like all these benefits right because you've just but the thing is that sounds like it's a five percent drop but it's actually a 50 percent drop which is super hard you've got to halve the amount of customers you're losing but people yep. go 10 percent to five percent oh it's a five percent reduction and it's like, no, it's not. And it's the same going the other way. Like your your 1% to 2% conversion rate is huge change, but it sounds little, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like um, when, when you're at a 90, was it 92%? This is something that Telstra and Optus have a real hard time with. Um, so it's very, well, it's very relatively easy. It's like, a, I think it's like a $64 billion investment, but it, um, to service 90 to 92% of Australians, is relatively easy. For the longest time, Optus was 1% behind Telstra. And the reason for that was the amount of additional investment required was astronomical. And when you look at conversion rate, the example we just did, going from 1% to 2% is 100% gain. Going from 2% to 3% is not 100% gain, it's a 50% gain on top of what you previously did. So you can't expect to continue to be able to double, like always have 100% gains or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but you also don't need it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, going from 2% to 3% is mathematically, <laughs> it's still a 1% increase, but it's, it's from 2 to 3 instead of 1 to 2, right? So, yeah. like, it doesn't look like it, like, yeah. <laughs>
I get you. I get. I, I mean, the maths is a little bit tricky, but if you draw it out, it makes sense. Yeah, um, we're gonna have. <laughs> you just need a graph, right? You need to draw it. Um, we're gonna have to finish up now, but um, you mentioned that you do audit. So, do you want to just quickly explain that, and if people sort of want to find out more about that, how they can get in touch as well? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I do uh, conversion rate optimization audits um, on page, but also um, ad account and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, what is the best way for people to get in touch with me? It would probably be just email me um, or connect with me on LinkedIn um, or Facebook. Uh, website is uh, echo marketing, E-K-O-H, marketing.com, and there is an audit form on there. Ironically, like most marketers, my site is not <laughs> quite where it needs to be, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> it's the, it's the, every, every market, I speak to a lot of marketers, as you know, same thing Rodan said last night, same thing I've gone through as well. It's like the hairdresser's hair, the cobbler's shoes, like the plumber's bathroom, right? Like yeah. <laughs> it's always so yeah. hard because you're doing it for other people. To do we it just went through and did our bio persona, so, so we are going to be redoing the site very soon, like next weekend kind of soon. Um, nice. But, yeah, yeah, just hit me up um, on LinkedIn or, or Caleb at echomarketing.com, E-K-O-H, Caleb with a K. Um, yeah, and I'm uh, yeah, happy to help anyone out. Um, there's, like I said, there's a lot of easy fixes. It's when you, when you're at a, a 4% conversion rate and you're wanting to go to five, right? Which is only a 20% increase. Um, but again, that's 20% more revenue. So like, it's not a small thing. Um, that's when, when you need to look at like, okay, is this a six month project or something like that? And I think a lot of businesses don't really understand that part of it as well as like, you can do something. Oh, here's a good stat for you. Um, right. yeah, less, less than 5% of Fortune 500 companies invested, what was it? 3% of their marketing budget in CRO. Um, wow. in the years from 2012 to 2016, I think it was. Um, and, so, and, then, and then the follow-up was 2016 to 2018 that went to 5% invested around 3%. Wow. So, like, it's, it's so small. It's so yeah. small. And these are massive companies. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's very that interesting. That is very interesting. A lot of opportunity there. Well, Caleb, thank you so much again. I'll make sure the links and I'll, you know, I'll tag you in the post as well. Thank you everyone for listening and for your comments as well. If you have questions for Caleb after the live stream, because I know not everyone can watch a live stream, pop them in here and then Caleb will be tagged in. So you'll be able to keep the conversation going. I'll actually right. open the LinkedIn app as well. <laughs> I'll get the notifications what? that way. I know, right? <laughs> Caleb, thanks so much again. Um, it was a blast chatting with you as always. Thank you. Bye, everyone. So that was my episode with Caleb. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you thought it was good. Uh, check them out. Check out Echo Marketing. So if you uh, head over to LinkedIn, you can check out Echo Marketing. You can also go to echomarketing.com, spelled a little bit differently, E-K-O-H, marketing. Uh, link will be in the show notes. Don't forget to tweet your thoughts at LaurenCress89 to get in touch with me. Use the hashtag 
grow your brand and yeah, let's talk, let's get nerdy. Let's talk more about conversion rate optimization. This will be the last one for a while in that sort of metrics space. Um, we'll be focusing more on sort of some SEO pieces in the next uh, couple of weeks. And like I said, I'm going away. Um, so what I'm going to do is tee up a bunch of interviews, awesome interviews, I've got so many to share with you. So you'll be getting three interviews a week for the next couple of weeks. Um, but I'll be back on Friday for uh, my final live stream uh, episode, my final episode of Seen and Heard for a couple of weeks. So tune in for that. Until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Cheers, guys. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99.